0: From the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today, to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future.
1: Hello and welcome back to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me, joining from New Jersey, from the U.S., Karen Karen. By the way, it's the first time I have someone who is from your background with me, I would keep it a surprise and I would let you introduce yourself to the audience.
2: Okay, thank you very much, everyone. My name is Corinne Koger. I'm the attorney, as Mehmet said, out of New Jersey. However, I practice in all 50 states of the United States. So my law firm is Koger Law Firm. and We're a boutique firm that focuses mostly on intellectual property in the areas of trademarks and copyrights, as well as small business law. So, we like to help entrepreneurs, um small businesses and content creators protect their intellectual property in their content.
1: Great. And by the way, this is the first time I have someone from legal background, so because we had marketing, we had sales, we had of course, it's a cTO show, so had a lot of people who are in the tech. But I thought you know that legal is also one important part of uh, any startup journey or even small medium business journey. And, you know, the topic that we're going to discuss today is also important. So let's start kind of from here. Let's put kind of a overview or definition of intellectual property and why it's crucial for startups and established business alike, actually.
2: Um, no problem. So it's interesting that you mentioned that you already had people on that talked about sales and marketing, uh, because when when people start businesses, those are among the first things that they get into. They go out, they, they create a logo, they purchase a domain, they set up all their social media. And a lot of times they do legal, especially intellectual property legal last. And that is not what they should do. As a matter of fact, people should actually consider their intellectual property first. So in terms of intellectual property, like I said, I practice in the areas of trademarks and copyrights. So a lot of people confuse the two. So I would say that in the most simplest terms, trademarks, um, they protect your brand and copyrights protect your content. So, for instance, um, if you were to trademark, and I don't know if you've done that yet in your country or in the U.S., um, the CTO show that is, you know, protecting your brand, it's protecting the name of your podcast, it's protecting your logo, and you would file registrations for that. And like I said, a lot of people wait to the end to even consider trademarking their brand or their business. But what can happen is if they do that, you're going to invest all this time and this money in supporting and building and marketing and sales. And then you might find out that A, somebody you're infringing upon somebody else's trademark and they will come after you with a cease and desist. And you might, you know, lose the ability to use everything that you've invested in. Um, also, you want to protect yourself so nobody sees what you're doing and copies what you do without that. Mm-hmm. Protection.
1: Yeah. Now, at which stage do you think, because you mentioned they have to start early. So uh, because you mentioned two things, the trademark and uh, the IP or the intellectual property. So do you think they should maybe start with a trademark, especially, for example, if it's a startup? And, you know, they are coming up with a little bit different name than a traditional name in the market. Uh, so they need to first register that name or maybe they need to wait a little bit to see some traction. So what do you advise usually, you know, your uh, your clients?
2: I advise that when people finally settle on that name and on that mark, that they go and file their trademark registration right away. Again, you want to protect it so nobody else can use it. So even if you haven't even really started your business, you can file what's considered a 1B application, which is an intent to use application. So if you're already using your mark, you can file, you know, file your name, um, show that show proof that you're using it in commerce. Those are our technical terms, but show that you're using it in sales. Um, but if it's just an idea right now, go ahead and file it now so you you have that protection in place. And once you do that, if you are granted the right to use that trademark, you have up to three years to show the trademark office that you're using it.
1: Okay, that's good to know. Um, now, I believe this could differ from a vertical to vertical let's say so maybe if they are doing e-commerce is different than if you are doing you know I don't know like maybe something else but in general um, after they do the trademark like how do actually they they monitor this
2: is there any any tools that allows them to, to to monitor that Absolutely. Um, so you can work with attorneys like me that do offer trademark monitoring services, but there are also, um, online services that you can, um, you can subscribe to that will monitor your mark either across social media or across the whole internet. So if you see anything similar to your mark or if somebody is actually using your mark, it will get a hit. It will be able to, um, you know, let the person out.
1: Okay. That's good to know also as well. Now, We talked a little bit about the trademark. Now, I want to come back to the intellectual property. (laughs) Now, in in technology, you know, source code, you know, whenever they they write code uh, and, you know, their programs. So this is considered as an IP. How, you know, how easy is the process? I want to ask you. Because maybe for especially first-time founders and because we mentioned, yeah, sales, marketing. So for them, everything looks very complicated at the beginning. But is it really something complex to file for these uh, intellectual inter- properties? Like, if you can, like, walk me through the process. Well, what happened? Like, I mean, first they need to do that, and then so on and so on.
2: Okay. So in order to protect code, um that application would be with the Copyright Office. So that, well, I'll just, I want to back up a little bit. When I talk sure. about trademarks and the trademark process. One thing I want people to know is that it's actually a long process. Right now, it's taking up to 18 months. However, when you file with the copyright office, and again, these are two different pieces of intellectual property that you're filing. The copyright office is a little bit faster. Typically, um, if you're going to be awarded registration, it will come through in about four to six months. And you file an application on the, um, if you're in the U.S., on the US Copyright .dot um, gov website. So the main issues with filing your copyright, whether it is um, your written work, whether it's a book, a workbook, like you said, code, um, architectural designs, is um, finding out or delineating who is the owner of the copyright versus who is the author, whether mm-hmm. or not the work was a work for hire, and so you know really. Um, putting in place who is the owner of that work. Because just because you may be the author, if you're working for somebody else, so let's say you are working for a startup and you've created a code for that startup and you're an employee of that startup, um, oftentimes people will think, hey, I created that code, it belongs to me. But more likely than not, in that circumstance, it'll belong to the employer.
1: And I think this is where, again, they need someone like yourself, Karen, where... You know, in the contract, they need to mention, you know, this, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, I know from myself because I used to work for uh, technology companies, although, like, I'm not, I was not the coder, but anything it was mentioned in the contract. If I develop anything, it would be the, uh, the ownership would be for the company, not myself, but of course, they would recognize me as a contributor to that. So, perfectly. It's, it's good, like you mentioned this. So, this is again to remind the audience about that. Now, what are like some of the misconceptions you see sometimes when, when uh, you, you do like uh, uh, consulting to your clients regarding the IP thing? Um,
2: misconceptions. Again, who, who owns the copyright or the trademark? So uh, one of the common ones are a lot of times people will hire people to create their logo for them. And, you know, sometimes they're using sites like Fiverr or Upwork, or they might go to mm. Design Designs. I do not have any affiliate relationships with any of these sites. I just want you guys to know. Um, and even though Fiverr and Upwork do, do have their own terms and conditions, I always suggest that um, the person purchasing the logo do a copyright uh, transfer agreement. That meet, Because the copyright belongs to the person that created it. So just because you're purchasing it doesn't mean that you're the owner. So you also need that copyright transfer uh, agreement or contract. So that's something that a lot of people don't know.
1: That's, that's, you brought a very good point, Karen, actually, and I'm curious about it because sometimes we ask ourselves, you know, among friends, when, let's say, if I am, I'm based in the U.S. or I'm based anywhere in the world, right? But I have in my own country, let's say I'm in the U.S., so I have, you know, older Laws on my side, and then, but I need to sign a document with someone who's not resident in the same country. Especially when it comes to trademarks, copyrights, and you know these, these things that you mentioned. So, how you know how again we can react if if we get to know, for example, if one of the freelancers on Apple or Fiverr they took our same design and they provided it to someone else. So, what are like the actions that we can take in this case?
2: Well, number one, like I said, it's important to get that copyright transfer. So, if they made it for you, you know they're saying that they they release ownership of it. You now own that design. So, if they produce it for somebody else, you can now um, take legal action against them because you're the owner of the design. Now, one thing that can come up is because a lot of times when people are hiring freelancers, they are from other countries. So, you would have to consult um, either counsel. If you're in the U.S. that practice internationally or can um, refer you to an international council in that country because trademark and copyright rules are different in different countries.
1: Okay, that's also a good point to consider when someone decides to to utilize, you know, services of someone who are not, uh, I mean, in the same country as themselves. So, like, now we we... we... You know, we, we mentioned or we, we touched base on this. I love, you know, to hear maybe a case study or anecdote from your practice where actually an IP management significantly benefits your client. And the reason I ask this because, you know, I'm a believer in, you know, people sometimes they say, okay, these guys are talking something I cannot relate to. So if you can shed some light using an example maybe
2: from, from a case that you worked on. Okay, so I'll give you a kind of a worst case scenario um, case study, uh, just as a warning to, to some of your viewers and your listeners. So I work with somebody who's extremely intelligent, um, um, the top of their field. Uh, and they went and filed for their trademark registration on their own. Again, you do not do not need an attorney to do so, but it is suggested because of situations like this. So when you file your registration, you go through the process. Sometimes there's a back and forth with the trademark office if they feel inclined to reject your registration. But if you get through that entire process, they do something that is called um, they pub- um, they publish your registration for opposition. That means the trademark office says we're inclined to grant this person their mark, but anybody has 30 days to oppose it. This person thought they were going to get their trademark. However, on the 29th day, another company came in to oppose their mark. And unfortunately, what happened was she ended up um, uh, abandoning abandoning the mark and it actually kind of worked out in her favor because she's created a whole nother brand. But when you work with a trademark attorney, one of the most important parts of the process is the research that we do before filing your trademark. So not only do we look and see if your mark is in use, whether there's somebody that's similar or somebody is using a mark that's similar, and also the people out there that have these marks, are they are they litigious? So for instance, If the mark may have been similar to another mom and pop shop, um, there might not have been a likelihood that they would have opposed the mark. But this mark was opposed by a major international company. So think Disney or Nike or something like that. So working with a trademark attorney, they would have been clued in to to that type of um, a problem, which, again, resulting in her abandoning her whole entire brand. Um, So that's a worst case scenario. (laughs) Uh, The good case scenario is the opposite. You do go ahead and file your trademark and you may learn that, uh, and this happens pretty often, that people are using your mark on social media. Um, A lot of times people just go on Google and Google Images and they don't even do it on purpose half of the time. You know, they go ahead and copy and paste but it's somebody else using your mark that they don't own the mark. It's not what the mark was intended for, or it may be a connection with something that you don't want your mark in connection with. If you have that trademark registration um, that enables you to contact Facebook, Twitter, all of the socials and file um, um, a takedown form. I'm gonna use lay terms, file a takedown form. You can send a cease and desist letter and you're also able to pursue litigation.
1: Great. Now, just out of curiosity, and because, you know, again, it's a CTO show, but I will ask you something related to the to the IP space. Have you seen a rise in, in, in the cases where people start to complain because of, you know, everyone is saying AI will cause big issues when it comes to IP? So have you seen any, you know, did your phone it will start to ring more because people are coming to you and say, Hey, like because of this AI thing, how, how we can, you know, do this because the AI can create logos to your point. It can create text and so on. So what are you seeing in this space Karen?
2: So I'm seeing a lot of scrambling on behalf of the organizations and different legislatures. And in fact, I pulled up a couple of cases in preparation for us today. I need my glasses. So uh, there was a case recently that was just handed down. Um, A gentleman had filed for copyright registration. He indicated that there was no AI use. However, he created um, photos using Mid Journey, which a lot of people are using for illustrations or photos now. And the copyright office did find that it was not, um, it was not authored by a human. Um, So this is something that I anticipate there are going to be a lot of suits and a lot of matters before the Copyright Office. The Copyright Office right now, they're holding um, forums, discussions, hearings to decide what to do. um, Because with AI, whether it's with the pictures, whether it's ChatGPT and it's text, people are creating a lot of content now and claiming that it's theirs. And it is not necessarily theirs. Um, What argument that a lot of people are making are, or is, well, I created the prompt that I, you know, input into the um, mid-journey or, you know, another AI application. So should I, should I be able to, shouldn't I be able to own that? And it's no, because the AI is trained based on what is out there already. So it's essentially pulling from somebody else's um, copyright copyright work that has been (laughs) (laughs) registered by copyright or once you put something into a medium once you write it once you take the photo it belongs to you registration is the next and the best step but ai is pulling from other people
1: fine do you think we gonna sue a lot ai companies also as well because of that
2: I don't know about suits for AI companies, but like I said, right now, there is a lot of proposed legislation and trying to figure out what to do. Because I always say that law is always years and years and years behind technology. It does not keep up. Um, It does not move as fast as technology does. So um, there there are going to be a lot of issues. I do anticipate suits against the AI companies because of what I see that before, um, you know, AI is using what is, what is out there. They're using other people's work to train the AI. So yes, I do think there's going to be an uptick in, um, in lawsuits.
1: You know, like, I think this is a space to watch, right? So it'd be, it's going to be a hot thing to watch in, in the coming months, as I would say, um. Like, one one thing you mentioned now, and again, it came spontaneously to my mind, why law is so slow than technology? You know, because you have the background, maybe you can tell me.
2: <laughs> uh, so, there are many areas and aspects of law. So, you have state law, you have federal law, um, you have law that comes out of cases that have gone through up and down the courts. Um, so, you know, somebody might have a case that starts this year in 2023, and if it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, it might not be you know, be settled until 2030. Um, so uh, a lot of times when there are proposed changes to the law, like I said, there, there will be um, research, there will be hearings, um, they will ask for public opinion, uh, there will be more research <laughs> and then they will write the law and submit the proposed law um, and that will be voted on again and again and again until it's actually um, moved into into law. Yeah, so and I think it's
1: it's coming across the globe, not only in the U.S. or so many places, you know, they have these, I've not called it complications, but yeah, it's not easy to change the law because you need to do a lot of research. You need to have a lot of committees. So it's, it's not an easy task. Now, I want to shift gear, like on, on a topic which attracted me, honestly, Karen. Like, you, you are a, a lawyer, right? But at the okay. same time, I discovered, like, you were you doing side hustling, actually, while, while doing this. And when I was reading the bio, you know, I felt, you know, something like an excitement over there. Like, can, can you walk me through this? Because it's, I think, something the audience should know about.
2: Uh, Absolutely. So I've always been a hustler per se, Um, you know, ever since I was a kid. So you think about the kids with, you know, lemonade stands or selling things door to door. That was always me. So um, my education process, I went straight through from high school to college to law school. I I graduated in May, took the bar in July and was licensed in December. but law was not my first love, I, I always had other interests, so I always had other businesses. And when I started practicing, I initially, um, let me back up, I was always interested in IP. In college, my major was mass communication, so I worked with you know TV and radio and newspapers, so this, this was my background. Um, however, upon graduation, I, when I interviewed, I actually got a job at the public defender's office um, in the state of New Jersey. So when you are a public defender, you are counsel for indigent or um, m- lower class people that cannot afford private attorneys you know, on their own. So even though it was a great job and I loved what I did, I still had other interests. So I had other businesses. I was an in aerobics instructor. I had a business um, that was similar similar to, to Zumba. Um, and then I got into e-commerce. So I started selling on Amazon and eBay and Shopify and those other sites like that. That's so, fine. So while I was working in this capacity in e-commerce, all of these issues that you and I have been discussing, um they came up at right now. Amazon has what's called brand registry. So if you are a trademark owner, you can get special accommodations on Amazon. You can get your own page or your own site on amazon on Amazon, but you have to have a trademark in order to do so. So by day, I was litigating by night, I was doing e commerce. And when it finally got to the point where I was burnt out from litigation, so I was the courtroom attorney um, that you see on TV, trying cases, having depositions, I was tired. And I said, you know what, I'm finally at the position where I can kind of break out on my own. And I made it a point to learn intellectual property law. So even though you study it in law school or you might study, you know, communications in undergrad, you actually have to learn how to, how to be a lawyer in that area. So when I was able to do that, that's when I opened Koger Law.
1: Wow, that's really inspiring, Karen, and I love to hear these stories to, to you know, inspire others as well. Um, and this is, you know, to, to, to your point, you touch base on the e-commerce, and I see people do this mistake you know they think it's something easy. You know, like especially in when when this drop shipping started to become very popular. Yeah, like I will just buy a domain. Yeah. I'll connect the, my uh, Shopify to to something, and you know, boom. You know, it's not like this. And I've seen a lot of. You know, maybe you can also enlighten us here. Um, I've seen a lot of people who started to complain. Of course, they were wrong, because you know the payment uh gateway providers whether it's like paypal stripe whatever they were receiving complaints because like either there was like something not um, not right with the product itself or because you know they received a, a complaint from the original trademark owner that there's an infringement there so maybe you can shed some light on that part as well
2: yes yeah, so um for those who don't know drop Drop since shipping is essentially um, if you open a store and you have goods that you want to sell, you don't necessarily have to keep your the goods in your home or in a warehouse. You can order them online from sites such as AliExpress or Alibaba, or you can go to individual manufacturers. And so when somebody orders on your storefront, you contact that website or warehouse, you make a payment to them and they then ship the product to, to your client. So that's just the basics, you know, in drop shipping. Another thing that people do in this space is white labeling, um, where they, similar to drop shipping, they, they, they go and they purchase the product from a third party site. However, they put your brand or your logo on, on that product. And so, trademark infringement happens on a daily basis in, in the e commerce world, or um, it happens in terms of people stealing other people's brands or logos um, or having something similar. And maybe the infringement is they not only stolen your brand or logo, but now their products are not the same quality as your products are. So, you know, people are now looking at you and (laughs) you're like, wait a second, that's not me. That's not, that's not my product. Uh, Just recently, um, I have a friend who also happens to be an attorney and she's a model and somebody stole one of her modeling pictures i believe off of instagram and used it on amazon to advertise some of the accessories Ooh. that she was wearing <laughs> she was wearing um in the picture so in the world of e-commerce infringement happens all the time so you number one want to have your ducks in a row in terms of having your business set up properly your trademarks um registered and The watch service that you and I talked about at the top of the show where you do hire somebody to watch uh, what is going on on the Internet to alert you if somebody is using your brand. Great insight again,
1: Karen, and thank you for sharing that. Now, as we come to an end, you know, any any advice you would give to entrepreneurs and, you know, founders that you can share both from your legal expertise and um, entrepreneurship expertise?
2: I suggest that at minimum, have a consultation with an attorney before you launch. Um, they can they can give you insight. Um, if you come to them, you have your idea, you have your brand in your head. Uh, they will tell you step by step what you need to do in order to in order to you know open your business, but also these other protections. Like I said, most people think about trademarks and copyrights on the back end, and they should think about them. On the front end, or they don't talk, or they do not have those contracts in place with all of the vendors that they're working with. So my advice is definitely have a consultation with an attorney. Um, in the U.S., they do have programs such as score.org, .org, um, which is free, and they do mentorship for um, for entrepreneurs and business startups. Uh, or you can hire an attorney like me that does specialize in other areas. But definitely speak to somebody before you start registering your business. Um, I would say buy your domain names though. Definitely do that. Those go really quickly, <laughs> so definitely secure your domain names. And if you don't end up using it, like you might have lost ten dollars or twelve dollars or fifteen dollars on your registration. Uh, but yeah, come see one of us. Yeah, sure. And uh, where they can find more about you, Karen? They can find me at www. Cougarlawfirm.com. at C O G E R law And if you would like a consultation with me, you can also contact us at go.cougarlawfirm.com. And you can sign up for a free 15 minute introductory call so we can determine whether or not my office can help you.
1: Great. I'll make sure that all the links will be in the show notes of this episode. Um, anything you wished I had asked you, Karim, before we close? No, I think you are very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, I, I like to ask this question at the end. Maybe I missed something. So just to be in the safe side and, of course, to make sure that, you know, the guests uh, mentioned whatever, you know, uh, they had in, in their mind. So, so great that you, you shared. I think, you know, myself, I learned a lot today about differences of trademarks and copyrights and, you know, why IP is important, especially in the startup phase and when, when you know, founders, they should think about it. And yeah, like as Karen mentioned, like if you have some doubts, reach out to her so maybe she can help you. Really, really, I enjoyed this um, episode today, Karen. I really appreciate it. And this is how I end my episodes usually. So for people who are tuning in for the first time, thank you for tuning in, whether you are watching this or listening on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you very much for the you know, people who always keep following and sending me messages. Thank you very much for all the feedback that you provide. Please keep them coming. And if you have any idea, if you are in a you know, position to share something that startup founders, tech people, or anyone can benefit from it because we have a wide range of, of audiences, please reach out to me. We can arrange for uh, recording an episode. Doesn't matter where you live in the world. carrying in the states, in the East Coast. I'm in mean, Dubai. Time zone is not a not a problem. So please reach out and thank you very much for tuning in. We will meet again very soon. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Hit that subscribe button. Share the show with your tech savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us.